welcome to Beyond the Capital from Supertech and our brand new series. This year, the Commonwealth Games are coming to Birmingham. So to celebrate, we'll be doing our own baton relay. We're making virtual visits to as many of the Commonwealth countries as we can, exploring their startup and scale-up scenes. And we'll hear from UK-based businesses with Commonwealth connections. Beyond the Capital is the podcast series that explores the professional services tech scene outside of London. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen, long-standing champion of professional services in the regions. In this episode, we're finding out how no-code and low-code are shaking up and democratising the tech scenes in different countries. I spoke to Chelsea Sabai, a Canadian private investor involved in the introduction of no-code to Canada, Ali Kazmi, the UK-based founder of Ethical Equity, an investment platform built on no-code that connects ethical startup and scale-ups with investors, and Sergio Pengel, the CEO of Pi Data and co-founder of No-Code Caribbean. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Can I start with Chelsea? Hi, so my name is Chelsea Sabai, and I'm from Canada, specifically Calgary. And um, I wear a few different hats. So one that's important for this conversation today is that I spend some time investing in both public and private companies. Uh, A second point um, is that I'm a mom to kids who are going to have to grow up in the world. And so interested in no code as a tool for them to learn and maybe build something cool one day. And then also interested in no code just in terms of a tool that can help change and give people a bit more access in terms of opportunities to create businesses, as I've also done that. Fantastic. And Ali? I'm the founder of Ethical Equity, an online investment platform that is dedicated to the underserved entrepreneur community, and also the first of its kind with helping ethically compliant startups and scale-ups in the UK. Super. And last but not least, Sergio. Hi, my name is Sergio Pengel. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I'm a father of three children, um, but I'm also a serial entrepreneur and I love philanthropic activities. I'm a founder of a company called Pi Data. It's the marketplace of, of technology innovation where we build uh, solutions that solve real problems. And I'm director of a nonprofit called Deaf Tribe, where we help students and non-traditional entrepreneurs to build solutions in no code and economic development. And what I'm mostly excited about is I'm from Suriname. It's a really beautiful country in South America, and I, I highly recommend you visit one day to really enjoy some ecotourism. Fantastic. So as you know, we're taking a tour of the Commonwealth countries with this series of the podcast. So we're looking at your Commonwealth connections throughout this and trying to get that insight into the startup ecosystems in your various parts of the globe. If we could start with you, Chelsea, how do you see no-code really starting to take an impact within Canada? So I think it's still quite um, early days. In terms of one uh, no-code platform, which is Bubble, uh, there has started to be a few small agencies in Canada itself. So teaching that platform um, as a way, you know, to get things off the ground. I think what you're seeing here is a lot of automation in larger companies, um, which is part of the no-code community as well. Um, so essentially, if you look at it, there's not enough developers for everything that that wants to happen on the technology side. And so you're starting to see automation tools and no-code being used in larger groups. And then in the sort of startup world, you are starting to see people where they are hiring an agency and building an MVP that way. You're nodding your head a lot, Sergio. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It, it truly unlocks innovation on all different levels. From an entrepreneur's side, what we've seen, especially in the Caribbean, is that it, it empowers a lot of these non-traditional developers to have the tools and resources and, and the, the learning curve to really build really innovative uh, solutions, getting them to the MVP much faster, right? And on the corporate side, a lot of these uh, institutions are now sending their employees to take on these, these courses to start strengthening their internal operations in developing and utilizing no-code solutions. So it's definitely a huge movement that's happening. And Ali, I think you've built your MVP through no-code. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I definitely echo the other's points. I think it's a force for good. I personally have now stopped mentioning traditional coding. And when I speak to entrepreneurs um, or startups, the first thing I do now is mention the low code. As Sergio mentioned, it's all about saving costs and the speed and the process. But I think there's still a lot more to be done so that it's standard knowledge amongst entrepreneur communities. Um, whereas everybody just seems to think in the UK, certainly, that, oh, we need to build something and it has to be done traditionally on traditional coding where it can cost you an arm and a leg. Um, and also the time factor as well to getting your product to market can take a lot longer in comparison to no code. So it's clear that the technology is empowering and, and democratizing as a force. But what else goes around that then? What else do you see in your activities as both entrepreneurs, investors, business support, activists, for one of a better phrase? How are you helping with that rest of that journey in your various parts of the world? Yeah, actually, uh, what's funny, I, I just came back from Suriname a few days ago. Um, I was part of the uh, a major um it's a discovery channel. It's, it's called The Fixers. And we really help build community. It's a nonprofit. And we help a, a, a traditional uh, institutions to really build a factory in a matter of seven days. Um, but what the twist to my contribution, I think, was, was really interesting is that we, we utilize technology and implementing a sustainable model for once the building is, is, is in place, how can these factories con- continue to produce and hire people and create jobs for the community? And one of the things that we did is build a website and build an e-commerce and, and really implement technology. And I tell you, I couldn't do it within the traditional sense, right? Uh, it would have taken me a, probably a few weeks to really get it done. Uh, but the whole model was doing it within seven days and utilizing no code and utilizing and building it on bubble allowed us to really, you know, have enough time to build an architecture, understanding what, what is needed and, and really spend as minimal time on development because we understood the tools that we've had in our dispense to be able to utilize something like Bubble to build a solution. So it's definitely integrated um, and, and, and I think it's really here to stay. Fantastic. Anyone want to give any other examples from around the world? Yeah, it's, I think for us, particularly, it's empowering communities and also where traditionally, as I say, uh, the, where the cost is being so hugely associated with traditional coding. But it's not only that. Yes, you can get to an MVP stage, minimum viable product stage, but you'll still need a community around you or the startup in order to get it to the next level. And just some stats, because I like stats, according to Swifted.eu, between 2009 and 2019, only 0.24%, that's 0.24% of VC funding went to black founders, black entrepreneurs. And overall, again, sticking with sifted.eu statistics, 1.7% of the overall capital went to uh, ethnic minority founders. Now, 
once you start adding in MVP situations into that, then it becomes a, you know, it's a already complex world, making it more complicated. But I think with low code, it should start to ease some of that pressure. Ideally, people want pre-seed money or seed money in order to get to MVP stage and then start to test that model out. But if the cost from the outset is very low, then they could test the model in a very quick and cheap way without losing the quality. I think one of the things that I would certainly say is that you just because it says low code on it, it it's not second best or you don't lose any quality on it. As you know, we were able to build uh, on the, the platform that we needed on a low code, but it does exactly the same thing as what somebody, an agency would have built for us using traditional methods. Does that resonate for you, Chelsea, from the investment angle? It does. And I think it's also really shifted um, the investment, meaning at one time, you know, a long time ago, like 20 years, haha, um, it was, you know, did you have a great idea? Then did you have a great idea and great people, right? And now it's really, where's your traction? So it, it's really changed to, we want to see traction. And you can test that in a real sense with way less money. So the other thing used to be, you know, the, the investment went to building the MVP, and now there's no need for that. So for less than $10,000, you really should be able to build an MVP and show traction, which is much more accessible. Um, so back to, you know, who's getting money. There's different funding models now looking at almost like seed loans or seed m- money, but in terms of tiny dollars, right? So instead of me giving m- the money once and say, here's 100K, you know, that money can get divided many times over, which means I can give many more people the opportunity because I'm actually being able to track traction and look for traction. Then all of a sudden my risk is actually changed. So it's also changed the risk structure in investing, I think, and will continue to do so. If I could take that home, Hillary, is it, I like what Ali said. It, I've been running hackathons since 2005 in the Caribbean. I've been, I've been through every island and I've seen it where... Uh, I truly honestly believe, and I'm, I'm biased, right? Innovation will come from for poor people, people who just don't have much or have no resources. And disproportionately, they're usually minorities, right? Even women some, in some instances. And I, I really believe that what, what's happening is that that shift of, you know, I've brought investors down and, you know, maybe one person gets that $100,000 and, and they may not have the grit to succeed or, or, or to, the, the sustainability to really see the product development cycle go through, right? But now having the tools, you can really have a minimal investment and really be able to show traction because you can get the MVP faster. You're able to iterate faster. You're able to kind of really test the model and see if it's really a proven model before you can, you know, raise more funds. And I think that's, that's the barrier that we're, we're seeing happening. Um, but I think still, you know, it still takes both to really emphasize on investing in being more aware of tools like Bubble, creating the awareness. That's why we're sharing with Million Labs and, and doing different cohorts and programs, uh, but also being able to uh, have a, a, a sustainable model where we invest in areas where that, that 5000 might be too much. It might be just 3000 Right. And that gets them going. Right. Um, so it, it really kind of being able to utilize to see what's really working, depending on what part of the region um, you're able to really scale. Can I just add one final line? In the UK, it's not great ideas that are funded. It's simply founders with great investment networks that are funded. So given all of that, what's the biggest lesson 
from running a business, through investing in one, through supporting businesses that you would like to share with our listeners? Sergio. I'm still learning. Um, I think that's one. Understand that you're when you you're you constantly have to challenge the the I- ideal of what's normal, and and know that there is more that you have to learn. And I think traveling is one of my biggest assets in being able to expose myself to different parts of the cultures. Um, you know, being in Canada, then going to South America, and then being in Africa really helps you to understand what the necessities are in different markets and how we can really utilize it together. Um, so I think self-awareness would be my, my, my nutshell in, in saying that if you're a pursuit of whatever your, your, your dream of, it is possible. You have to know the right people and the right resources to get it done. And, and I leave it with this. I'll I, I go off a formula called PI, right? Performance, image, and exposure are the three more constant principles that create success. Uh, and sometimes you meet someone who, who, who really works hard and, and they're part of the country, they work up every single day, but their performance only tethers 10% of, of, of really getting them to success, right? Then you have someone who has an image, you know, they, they speak really well, they're educated, um, you know, they, they have all the credentials, but it really contributes to about 30%. Uh, of, 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 of success, right? But then the one person who may know the right person, right? They had the right exposure at the right time, right? Really can give them 60% of the success of getting to the next level, but it all depends on the individuality. So find your pie and pursuit of that, it will give you more data. Thank you very much. Follow that, Ali. <laughs> For me, it's simply having the right team members in place um, and the right level of support in place access to resources, starting with team members, for example, if you've got the wrong co-founders with you, you know, they will definitely hold you back. They're not excelling. You're not excelling your business. So having from the outset, the right people with the right passion and the right vision is key for success um, and, and the future. And also, likewise, as I say, resources. And knowing where to go is another thing. And then having access to those resources is a whole different ball game and a whole different conversation. And Chelsea? I would just say stay curious and seek knowledge because if you can do that, you will be able to find the resources and the people and all the things you need. And then the second thing is know that if you have an idea that is what some would consider technical, you can be a non-technical founder. And with these tools, all these um, no-code tools, you can build a technology company if that's something you want to do. I think that's so interesting because I think we've seen through our other series and just talking to the founders in the super tech domain, you constantly or historically have always needed that domain knowledge. If it's fintech, it's a regulated space in the UK. If it's property, you need that experience and you and you're looking for your CTO, that co-founder. And, and we've really observed that maybe this is the step change to enable more of those businesses to come forwards. Just to close then, what next? Ali, what does 2022 hold for you? Well, hopefully the year we make a great impact in the UK. Level the playing field for investment at pre-seed, seed level for underserved communities. Period. As simple as that. I love the laser focus there. Chelsea? For myself, I personally just want to become better at these tools. Um, And I have small kids, so I want to become better so that by the end of the year, they have tried a few MVPs at the tender age of eight and nine. Wow, I can relate to that one. And finally, Sergio? 
Just really simply building capacity, enabling an environment for everyone to be able to create innovation because that's going to help solve our problems and really enable us to build a better future for all of us. So thinking about place, because we are beyond the capital, how important do you think it is, given all that we've undergone and COVID, not traveling, more online, how important is that sense of place and identity, regional identity in, in such a connected world? Chelsea. So I think you can look at this from two lenses and should. So on the one hand, I think it's neat that, you know, because we can connect with different people, we can learn from others, right? And then because we are in our own regions, understanding the people and culture and problems of our own regions, we can take that global knowledge and we can use it to solve problems at more, sort of more of a ground level. So for instance, if something's really working somewhere else, but it isn't in your area, you can actually borrow. So an example in Canada very quickly would be like, we didn't actually have very many comparison sites for um, banks and things like that. So that was an idea that could be borrowed from the UK and being brought to Canada to help the average consumer more. So I think it's a yin-yang thing. Fantastic. Ali? I think it's somewhat hard being in a fintech and then trying to do borderless stuff um, without hitting into regulatory issues immediately. But I think definitely, I think each community is unique what, and how they do things and what they, and why they do it, um, being able to understand that. I don't, and I don't think it ever should be one community does better than the other. Um, I think having it borderless, and I think if anything, that's what COVID has shown us is being able to work more fluid is key to success. Um, you know, why should a startup based in Bristol, for argument's sake, do so much better than uh, a startup based in Leeds? It should have e- equal access to everything in terms of resources and investment. Indeed, but there's something about, isn't there, that that place in responding to pain points and challenges that are, that are unique to a person's environment, perhaps. Sergio? You know, I, I, I stay in the Caribbean. I, I love my Caribbean. It's, it's, it's been my mantra since, you know, I could remember graduating from my undergrad. And, and the reason why I love the Caribbean is because we're one of the most diverse group of, of individuals around. Uh, people from all around the world are in the Caribbean. And, and that really provides an environment where innovation is, is at its highest level. It's truly a matter of resources and access, right? And a lot of uh, investors, a lot of uh, businesses really kind of see the potential, but providing opportunity and transparency, um, an environment where it's safe and, and you have the right data um, really makes it the, the, the challenge, right? And we're constantly changing. So I'll, I'll compare it to a earthquake and a hurricane, right? The Caribbean, we're faced with a lot of natural disasters. It's part of our beauty. We have beautiful beaches, but... You know, it comes with a price, right? Uh, beauty is pain, as they say, right? But I think one of the, the obvious uh, opportunities to why it's important to stay with where you're coming from is that, you know, we all contribute a different and unique ideology of, of what's important, depending on what we've been exposed to, what, 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 we're, what we're familiar with. And you won't know how to deal with an earthquake unless you've actually been in an earthquake or a hurricane. Right. You can you can you can make all the decisions. You can you can think what you want. But when you have no connectivity, there's no Wi-Fi, there is nothing. Right. There is, there's absolutely nothing. You really realize that, you know, there, there has to be some other forms of innovation that that must exist 
that is, is not contingent upon the familiar, right? So I always educate or try to share with people is that, you know, find out what the core of the problem is. And the only way you can find out the core of it is if understanding where you come from and staying true to where you come from, understanding your core issues. And if you can stand at your core issues, you can solve problems locally, and then one day you'll be able to solve problems globally. And I think that's why it's really important to stick with where you come from. That was Chelsea Sabai, Ali Kazmi, and Sergio Pengal. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe, or follow Beyond the Capital on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen.